The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Support for Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast comes from Remax Commercial. The Remax Commercial Global Network can help you adapt to changing markets, evolve with new technology, and maximize your investments across all property types. Go commercial with confidence. For more information, visit www.remaxcommercial.com. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Patricia Lynn, CCIM, a commercial real estate broker with more than $1.5 billion in transactions and projects, who turned to consulting and education later in her career. She joins the podcast to discuss what makes for successful consultants and investors, how to get started with these endeavors, and the importance of lifelong education to business achievement. A CCM Institute instructor since 1986, Lynn also shares details on her new course, Building a Commercial Real Estate Consulting or Investing Business, which helps CRE professionals diversify their revenue streams outside the brokerage model. Patricia, welcome to Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Nick. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this topic, and I appreciate the opportunity. With your new course with the CCM Institute, you're focused on consulting and investing. And these, these seem like ideal paths to diversify one's income streams in commercial real estate. You know, how did you first become active in these endeavors? You know, I started as a broker in the business. And um, before we, we talk about this and before I do the course this afternoon, um, I want to say that most brokers I know have a consulting mindset anyway. So the question is just what are the the distinctions between actually charging for your services as a consultant? And I saw a need. Um, The typical brokerage model doesn't really allow us to dig deeper into many of the client's needs. Now, as I said, good, good brokers do that anyway, but there's an expanded amount or level of services that you can provide as a consultant. And um, I actually started with a Chicago-based company that was considering going into corporate services. And, And that means providing services to corporations with a different revenue model. And this was when there was no competition. So in that field, And nobody was doing it yet. So we took a deep look at companies and what they needed and, by the way, how they wanted to pay us. And so I was fortunate to have an opportunity to be right in the middle of those think tank conversations. And that piqued my interest. So when I came back to another position with another company, that was always in the back of my mind about hmm how can how can we provide more understanding a little bit more about what the client wanted beginning those steps into consulting is it you mentioned that brokers are kind of born or at least uh, learn a, a bit of a consulting mindset is it something about is it more about taking baby steps into that 
those types of endeavors, or is it is it something where you kind of have to jump in with with both feet? The answer is yes and no. <laughs> with regard to baby steps, first it starts with a a mindset, Nick. It's about what does the client need beyond what are the fees that I'm going to make. So that mindset is there. And when we have the course this afternoon, we talk about three different ways that you can become a consultant. And and for me, uh, I've been in brokerage for a while. Uh, One of the major accounting firms recruited me, actually, for their consulting division because they knew that I knew real estate. And so for me, it was a big splash (laughs) into the consulting world, working for a company that provided consulting services. I know many brokers who, when they analyze a client's problem, situation, and they see that more is needed, they take off their brokerage hat, put on their consulting hat, and with that say, let's talk about a different way that we can approach this problem and remove the contingent fee question and move over into a, we would be happy to do this market study, this relocation study, this financial analysis. It's a little bit more than we would normally do as a broker. So we can do that within our umbrella of providing a number of services. So you can get into consulting both ways feet first, jumping in, or a little bit as needed. The other thing that I want to make sure we don't leave out is investing. And it's the same thing with investing. This course is called Consulting and Investing. And there's there's a basic premise that if you want to develop wealth in the real estate industry, you're not going to develop wealth long-term only providing brokerage services. So it's also that question of, do I become an investor feet first, only that, or is it a adjunct to my brokerage services? I think naturally my thoughts of of a broker that was looking to get interested in investing, is that something that happens later on in a career or is that something that can happen, you know, as, as soon as one, you know, is interested in, and, and able to, to become involved in investing? In my humble opinion, <laughs> there are a, a number of considerations for a broker who's interested in becoming an investor too. And primarily you don't want to, be seen as competing with your clients, right? So so that perception is really important. I also feel like you need to develop some understanding of the market, financial analysis, have a little bit of, of time and seasoning under your belt in order to uh, understand what a good investment looks like how you'll be planning to execute, manage the investment, what your exit strategy is. So generally, you need to know what you're doing, right? Having said that, there are often situations where you're brand new to the real estate brokerage business, but for whatever your background circumstances are, you just see 
something that looks like a good deal, a great opportunity, and you jump in. So everything is a little bit of both. When kind of looking at these revenue streams outside of the brokerage model, is there a common obstacle or a common hurdle that you see kind of pop up for those who may not be especially prepared to take these steps? I like to say that that there are three elements. It, it's perception, focus, and purpose. And those are great words, um, but as it relates to what our topic, perception is your perception of yourself and what services you offer. And then if you're dealing with um, consulting clients, is their perception of you. So you have to be real, very clear in order to execute uh, according to what your function is. And focus that we are, as a consultant, we are performing differently. So you understand that this is not a transactional situation and we're focused on absolutely the best performance for our customer and um, and with no distractions. So it, it's a very distinct focus. You have to look like you know what you're doing and execute that way. And um, the purpose, I struggled with this at first. I had had a huge resume in many aspects of commercial real estate. And when I left the big four accounting firm and went out on my own, I sat down and thought about how to articulate what I did with this this great expanded set of services. And I worked with a, a branding company and we put together a particular mission that was mission statement, vision statement that was unique to me. And it articulated my purpose. And I know that sounds very esoteric. These are what are hard numbers people might say, soft skills, but but they're critical because you're dealing with with people. So you have to come across as being purposeful. You have to come across as having focus. And that perception has to be clear. Just the way you're describing it, that that's kind of where my mind went was that you know, building a personal brand, you have to be pretty, you know, knowledgeable of yourself, of your strengths, of your weaknesses, where you're, what you do best, what you might need to work on. And, and I think that's an interesting, you know, first step towards, towards building a brand around yourself. To take that a little bit further, we put all of the interests that I have into the pot when we then mix them up and abstracted what would work with the the clients and customers. And I love to travel and I consider myself somewhat of an explorer, both um, in travel and in lifelong learning. And so we incorporated that explorer word into the mission statement so that it was articulated as an explorer who um, is able through the explorations to help their clients and customers. And and then the name of the company also embodied that. So, you know, that gets back to really being clear about your focus and purpose. You mentioned kind of the, the, the difficulty of establishing your brand and, and, and build, in building a consulting and investing practice, but 
how much do these endeavors help in economic downturns? You know, we're seeing some economic uncertainty right now going into 2023. How much can consulting and investing help a CRE professional in challenging times? Well, let's um, let's deal with investing first. Um, and and very quickly, I think there will be great opportunities uh, as an investor during that time. Uh, the the larger question is, as it relates to cons- consulting, um, can you uh, be useful as a consultant during this time? And absolutely, because. Anytime there's a problem that your potential clients are dealing with, if you can offer help and solutions to that, it is useful in good markets, bad markets, even in stagnant markets. And so we might not be able to be involved in transactional business right now, but there are preparation steps that we can put into place, for example, for customers, uh, clients who are investors who own property. And gosh, with corporate services and what's happening with work from home and the, the global, not just national, but global office market, there are rampant opportunities to help uh, companies in how they deal with excess space. And, and that is consistent throughout any kind of economy. Anytime there's change, there's an opportunity to help. And um, I had a major client for about seven or eight years that all we did was corporate service work in terms of finding locations, consolidating locations, running financial analysis, dealing with the internal questions and issues about use of space and can we um, position desk sharing so that somebody will give up their you know, 10 by 10, 12 by 12 walled office and change the way they work. So it's, it's really um, corporate culture and behavior change. So, so there, are, um, there are many ways that you can be of service in uh, a changing economy. And um, one of my favorite writers um, and consultants that I like to to, uh, watch is um, Alan Weiss. And he wrote a book, he wrote a number of books, but one called Million Dollar Consulting, Consulting or Consultant. And what he said was a consultant isn't an extra hand. Um, to help with um, with tasks, a consultant is an extra brain. So anytime that you can bring an extra brain power to a situation that for corporations, their focus is their primary business and real estate occupancy is an adjunct. So anytime that you can bring extra brain power to that um, is useful to everyone. Yeah. And I think that's a great way of expressing how essential consultants are versus, you know, it's not, it's not so much a hired gun for, for three months and, and everything will be fixed and, and ready to go at that point. You know, mentioning my mentioning of, of the potential uncertainty of 2023, I think 
often can can overshadow the uncertainty we've been through for the last three years, especially like you mentioned with the office market where COVID-19 has certainly raised some potential opportunities for consultants, especially in the office sector. Yes, <laughs> yes, I can sit and um, as as we're talking, I'm I'm thinking of a huge checklist of of items that as a consultant w- we could offer, and and um, it, it's rampant. You know, it's it's rampant the number of opportunities out there. The course that that you're teaching for the CCM Institute mentions recognizing skills and traits of successful consultants and investors. Could you quickly touch on maybe two or three common aspects of, you know, people who are successful in in these arenas? Nick, I think the first one is, again, it sounds like a a soft skill, but it's curiosity. No, it's being willing to wondering about that question. How does this work? It's like picking up a toy and, and pulling it apart and figuring out how it's made. It's, it's the question of, well, who do you report to and what does your organizational structure look like? It, it, it is a natural curiosity about the why of things. And so I, I would say that, that that's first. Um, I said natural, also genuine curiosity. And then um, a, a mind of service no, a, a mentality of service. I think that those are the the top two. And, and that is just, how can I leave this situation better than it was before? And yeah, I think curiosity is, is often kind of, like you said, sometimes it, it's passed off as a soft skill or, a, you know, a personality trait, but at its core, it means you're going to try to be as knowledgeable and as informed in any deal, any topic, any issue you're discussing, which I think is essential in, in almost any business that I could think of. Yeah. Um, Malcolm Gladwell talked about um, being an expert and he talked about you have to do something 10,000 times. And so I would say if there were one more trait that we could talk briefly about that is 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 being an expert, knowing it better than anyone, more than anyone, and if you don't know the answers, know where to find them. Um, I always, I often walk into a situation where I don't, I, I see a clear path to the end um, once it's described. I may not be the one that is the expert in executing, but I know where to find the experts and I'm an expert at that. Um, And so that also falls back to the idea of curiosity. I think in establishing a a professional relationship, you know, being honest and saying, this this is not my my area of expertise, but I will find the person who can knock it out for you. I think that that's can go a long way in building that trust and that working relationship. And, you know, we always would say that as, as brokers, don't pretend that you can do something that you can't do and be honest about saying, I don't know. As a consultant, you don't even have to say, I don't know, because you're leading a team and usually and your job is to, as I said, see through to the answer or the solution. And part of that is my solution is 
that I have this data guy, I have this HR person, I have this resource and that resource. So you really don't even need to say, I'm sorry, I don't know. It's more of, yes, here's the path. And these are the people that can we can bring in to help you. As a final question, before our interview, we were talking and you've mentioned your participation in martial arts. First of all, how did you become interested in this? And, and could you pinpoint any lessons you've been able to apply to your commercial real estate professional career? The shorter answer is, in terms of initial interest, I was intrigued early as a teenager around the areas of mind over matter, pushing through to goals that we wouldn't think would be achievable. And the martial arts, they talk about mind, body, and spirit. The martial arts really accommodates all three of those. So it was a a natural progression based on what my curiosity was interested in. And in terms of applications, absolutely. There are two. One is that early on my career, I might walk into a meeting and succumb to the intimidation factor, right? Um, who are all these people and what they do? And even though I know what I'm talking about, they're more experienced than I am. And I didn't start martial arts till I turned 40. And it took a while to get my black belt. Um, We had a very traditional school. And when I achieved the rank of black belt, and I would walk into a meeting, and if there would be any inclination to that intimidation factor, I'd say, wait a minute, I'm a black belt, (laughs) you know, I'm a black belt. It's not about beating somebody up. It's about knowing that I went through the the focused discipline and work that, that a lot of people would not be willing to. And so it's more about the, the, the discipline of the achievement and the other, um, the other factor and way it helps is um, I compete. And um, I was, as I mentioned, I was just in Chicago competing at a, a national tournament this weekend. And I don't fight, but I do forms and weapons and we perform. And you're two and a half minutes into um, a three minute performance and you're lungs are exploding and you don't know if you have it in your legs anymore to get down low and kick high and and you have to finish strong and you have to push through and that really applies to the work when you don't want to do it when there are obstacles in the way um you finish strong and you you push through and so i just i just have this mantra finish strong okay we're almost there we're almost at the goal. And and then lastly, I added one more. It's also about lifelong learning. You're never completely a master. And I think the same thing applies to um, being in the commercial real estate business. Certainly two very different endeavors, but I can see some parallels between getting a black belt and, you know, earning the, the CCAM pin. There's certainly some overlap there. Oh yeah, when we I teach CCR and the comp exam is not easy. And it's even a message that I say to my students sometimes when we have time. It's look, you're almost there. You've come this far. 
And this is what awaits you on the other side. So just just hang in there, push through and and finish strong. Yeah, so I think it's a perfect perfect way to wrap up the, the conversation. So Patricia, thank you so much for your insights on this topic and and thank you for your continued service to the CCM Institute. Well, thank you for doing this. I'm glad that the Institute is is out there doing everything that it does to help practitioners and the, the podcasts are, are a great idea. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.